This week on the Push All Loads podcast, we review two papers and Easter eggs. Three, two, one. Dan, have you found the internet yet, mate? Hey guys, welcome to the Push Poor Legs podcast with myself, Dan Meek. And me, Tom Hall. Just going about. Yeah, I have, mate. I found it. Yeah, I found it. Good. It does I exist. It. it does exist. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> Sorry for. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, just, I, I don't just, know. I don't know. I think Dan, Dan should uh, like, uh, apologize for this one. Yeah, I do apologise for uh, not sorting out my internet in uh, my <laughs> place. The uh, the problem arose because uh, I rang them, Sky, to get it all switched over, and they were like, oh, yeah, we can't proceed any further with this until we know the the landline number of the house you're in. And I was like, well, I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to check. Yeah. And um, they were like, oh, yeah, if you'd, have, if you'd have spoke to us four weeks ago, we could have had it done on the day before you did. <laughs> and I was like, well, you do realize I wouldn't have been able to get the phone number at that point. So how could I have done that? And they were like, oh, yeah, we see what you mean. But still, I was like, brilliant. I was like, whatever. But the, the funny thing is that no one's actually come in to do with the phone line. They've literally got to flick a switch. But apparently that flicking that switch takes 14 days. Good. As morons. it should. I mean... Absolutely. <laughs> morons. Just, just to put it out there, when I moved... It was, I don't know, did I say it was on the day before, actually? I was there the day before. I had the kit was already there, blam, just plug it in, go. Mate, you moved into a brand spanking new apartment. Right? <laughs> that has can't, fibre into the home. I got fibre exactly. into the home, it's great. You can't so. say shit, mate. I live in Bath where they're still fucking on dial-up. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a bit annoying. But um, anyway, we're here. it's cool now. It's done. It's we're here. Right. Like, moving house is possibly the most stressful thing in the world. I fucking hate it. Absolutely, it's hate going to it. be one of the top three things, isn't it? To be most oh, it stressful. must be the top one. Like I've again, like again, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to speak for any women here, but even giving birth wasn't that hard. I <laughs> oh my god! You know, I was I was only there just to watch, just to watch and hold her hand, but um, wasn't that hard. This is more stressful than having a child. I think is fucking horrible. Like it's oh anyway, let's not bore everyone with that shit. <laughs> um, on a totally separate note, guys. Um, yeah, if you need to get in shape for the summer, let me know because I actually have had a few spots open up for coaching to start in March, which isn't that far away. So if you're keen and you want to get involved, let me know. So my client, Jamie, who found us through the podcast, he is currently prepping for a photo shoot, Ooh. which is in, at the end of April, the same one I'm doing, actually, funnily enough. Um, and he's looking pretty good. So shout out to Jamie. He's not been feeling well. Bless him. <laughs> but he'll, 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 he'll man up and he'll be fine um, but yeah so if any of you have been sitting there for a while thinking that you need to get in touch you want to get in shape now is the time now is the time because summer's around the corner you don't want to end up looking like Tom you want to end up looking like a, bit, a bit more like the guys on Instagram who've got maybe an ab or two not just a full on beard <laughs> beard's for the win mate um, I'll be in shape don't worry I've got time. Um, but what I did, uh, obviously, if anybody was following my Instagram stories over the weekend, um, I went suit shopping with uh, I'm the best man for my buddy. And uh, yeah, buying, obviously, I don't buy suits there. I don't wear suits pretty much only for wedding purposes and not really anything else. Maybe for really big presentations. And then it's still like just shirt and tie in it. Like, and you look so weird um, when you wear one. <laughs> and uh, like, 
obviously everybody who's listened to this kind of goes to the gym, is in fitness world, whatever. And it just seems that every place I went into, TM Lewin, Moss, was just like, no, no, we've got to completely redo stuff for you. Like, you're too broad. Mm. Um, freak shape that you've got. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm normal. Like, I'm not big at all. Um, my buddy's obviously, he's just like stick I mean, fit. I... I can't believe that, you know, I mean, most of the time when I've walked in there, they've gone, you know, they're giving you a, a suit on and you put it on and it fits around your shoulders, but then you've got this really baggy, yeah, baggy like, fit around your waist. And if they were saying that even for you, <laughs> my God, like, some people really are not in shape because you've got a bit of a belly it's on you. Like, so, I was you know, like... it's one of those where, like, <laughs> even with that, it's still, you know, different to the shape to the normal, the normal everyday man. But I suppose most people have, like, it's just... most people probably have a bigger that they but the, you know the buy suits probably have a bigger belly than they do shoulders so yeah it's in reverse for them but um yeah i, I hate i hate doing all that thing and usually whenever i've ever i've worn a suit i have to get a well-fitted shirt and then i get the jacket and i usually just take it off because it's never comfortable even if yeah. they get one that's right. like wider at the top it's never comfortable you just take it off and then you're in a shirt because the shirts they make them a lot more tapered and they fit a lot nicer and well, you, you can, can get some with some stretchy fabric in so you, you can, can get, get muscle okay, fit so ones now which yeah. which sounds incredibly lame to say oh we've got muscle fit shirt on great you just sound like a dick as far as i'm concerned but they do fit a hell of but it's better. not that muscly though either is it no <laughs> it's just like the thing as well is like jeans like the amount of times i put a pair of jeans on I'm like okay yeah these fit around my quads oh but what's this oh yeah they've got a fucking huge like massive three inch extra waist so I don't I've, I've had and you to, can't wear a belt either because <laughs> it like creases up so it's like what the fuck do you do I've got yeah both, so both my blade, like my jacket and my uh, my uh, um, trousers have been taken away so I got I had to so buy you just got nothing on I basically <laughs> just uh, yeah basically I didn't get anything like the oh. groom got everything I had to my all of my stuff got to be taken away so I'm like a 44 inch chest and then it was like, yeah, this has got to be brought in at the middle because it was like, this is flapping around everywhere. And then my trousers, I had to buy a 36-inch trousers and because that was to get over my quads and then just take it in by about three inches. I was like, what is this? Joke. People I bet you the- felt so manly. I, I did. I felt, I felt great. And he was like, oh, sorry about this. I was like, don't you apologize, mate. This is, I realize I've got to make another trip to come back and get it, but you're flattering me every single time you say this. <laughs> God, imagine if, imagine if someone had gone who actually does lift, actually does know, have a Jesus body. Christ. Actually, no. <laughs> they must, like, people that are genuinely big, like, must go to, that must be awful for them. Like, yeah. Like, I'm surprised in London there's not, well, they're probably, they're probably especially probably shocked is, just, we probably just, just haven't been, but I can't believe that someone hasn't got a line like that, like, how someone like TM Lewin doesn't come out with a, a cheat, you know, like a line that's specifically for that. Because if they advertised it and sponsored the shit out of it on like Facebook and stuff, Instagram, yeah, I bet I a lot there. of people go there because I think I've seen there's some companies like I think there's one called Oxcloth. Oxcloth is the one which I've do seen, it, but yeah. they're real. That's like ninety quid a shirt, I think. Yeah. It's and like if you just like, wanted like everyday shirts. There's one called Father Sons, which I actually bought a shirt from, and they're actually okay. They fit quite pretty well. Oh. Well, you got you got loads of cash, haven't you? So it's yeah, right exactly. So, so right. I mean, more for like people <laughs> like me who've got, got no cash, just um, wearing his gym that, shark clothing. That's all he does. Exactly, that's all I need to wear. Mate. <laughs> Good. I, I rock up to weddings in a gym shark hoodie. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Furthermore, we need to actually talk about fitness sometimes. I've gone like off piste on some of the topics as well that I've written down. Dan's just rocked up. He, he's in the office. Office life. Um, ah, I'm in date nights all morning. Yeah. I'm the only one in here. To be fair, so that's why it's easy. Oh, to really? be fair, oh, it's okay. easy right now. Isn't it? First mm. days off. First days, just half days at Team Box. No, 
everyone's everyone's taking a bit of time off because we've got some big things coming up. So everyone's kind of I have my time oh. away. Steve's having his time away. Mike's moving down to Bath soon. So yeah, things are progressing, mate. Things are yes. happening. Bless you all. Uh, yeah. Working too hard. Um, <laughs> right, we've got some. There's a couple of like papers that have come out recently. That's uh, yeah. Let's go back caught, to our roots, Tom. Caught our eye. I know it was yeah. mad. I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm still affiliated with uh, like the UKCA and stuff, so I could go on PubMed and the like Middlesex alumni, so I could, I could go <laughs> dip in and actually get the full paper. Yeah, fuck you. So yeah, let's uh, just let's just read the abstract. Let's, <laughs> let's, not, go, let's not go full science. Let's I, know, go a bit more I just I just went I just flicked through the uh, the diagrams. That's all I did. Oh yeah, did a bit of colouring in. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there was um, so Dr. Andy Galpin um, was a guy that used to. Well, he still does a lot of stuff with Barbell Shrugged, one of the podcasts that made us podcast. Well, made me podcast anyway. Um, that forced me into podcasting. Then forced you into. I had to yeah. do it with someone. Just Tom, exactly. Tom Logs, don't know, that'd be great, are they? So, um, a lot of errors in there. I know, a lot of errors. It'd be so, Dr. Andy Galpin, he's not the guy who did the research. Um, this is by more of, I think one of the lead authors was uh, Mike Stone, who's actually a pretty decent mm. uh, physiologist and SNC guy. Um, so, we've got that paper. There was another paper that was more nutrition based, snore. Hence, but the nutrition-based stuff gets way more uh, clicks um, because it's, I guess, more controversial. This was just basically I only really wanted to repost that because it was it was uh, validating something I'd said, um, which is why we repost anything, right? Not not to really just go back on our word. I don't want to hide that away. It's fine. Which is, but the uh, low carb versus low fat paper, Dan. Yeah, there was a big um, a big Sweet. study done by. Um, the guy, the company who did it was the guy funds it. It's called Gary Taubes, who's the big low carb guy who says calories don't count and all this sort of shit. Yeah, basically, and, Gary, um, Gary Taubes is a journalist, right? Really, he's a journalist, but yeah. he claims to he's, he's masquerading as a scientist. Um, and he uh, basically his his company or his non for profit company funded a study which basically showed that there's absolutely zero difference between being low carb or low fat for weight loss. When when calories are equated, um, and basically just said it doesn't matter. It's it's just it's just hilarious. Like it's another thing that you know people always cry out about. Like oh, where was the study published? Where was it funded? Blah blah blah. And it's like, hang on, mate, your own guy funded it, and he still showed. Like you can't like you can't lie about it. Like it's just the way it is. It just works. But people are obviously still trying to defend it, which is quite hilarious. They're talking about like food quality being important now, and and like. Then now they people start talking about things like factors that you can't really to any huge degree like test massively. So now they're like, oh, but the digestion of things and oh, it's just like keep moving the goalposts for moving the goalposts' sake. Um, but yeah, it was a big study as well. Like it's not even one of these like where there's twenty people. There was six hundred participants. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's a yeah, and they um, split them in two sample size that. And they basically do you want me to go into it or should we save it for the end? Yeah, yeah, go into it, mate. Should I go? Should I go? Should I go for it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically they they split them uh, in diagrams, but they also tested as well things like insulin sensitivity and also genetic components of the of the people that were involved to see if there's any differences. And again, no differences. Like it doesn't matter about how much insulin you secrete; it comes down to calories in. Uh, that was the most important thing. Um, so yeah, the average BMI was was quite high, so they were obese people, which again, some people have commented and said, oh, it's an obese people, so you can't correlate it to like bodybuilders and stuff. It's like, well, you can. Um, it's just to, to varying degrees. But most people we work with are, 
are overweight or maybe obese um, and it's the way the world is going so actually this research is bang on the money for where we want it to be for most people um, but yeah it was it was interesting because they did it all like ad lib as well so during the first two months of the study low fat group was instructed to consume 20 grams of fat a day low carb group only 20 grams of carbs a day um, but they weren't expected to stay in them indefinitely at the end of the two-month period. They started adding things back in, like started adding the, the, the fats or the carbs back in, depending on whether they were low-carb or low-fat. Um, and they obviously increased them naturally, like they wanted to increase them because that's quite a low amount on either. It's quite debilitating. You can't go out to eat and all this sort of stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they gradually increased them to find that ad-lib kind of like eat to hunger or whatever you want to call it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and basically over the course of a year then, so they only did that for two months and then the next part of the year they said to them, you know, you can start adding more in and be ad lib and all this sort of stuff. Um, and basically there was no statistical or clinical significance or relevance to any differences in weight loss. So over 12 months, the low fat group had lost 5.3 kilos and the low carb group had lost six kilos. Um, and again, that, that's not significant. That's just no. with 600 participants, that's as close to the same as you're going to get. Um, and it was just interesting that none of the markers were, were different. Nothing changed. All the things that people say about low-carb diets that are good didn't happen. Um, and again, insulin sensitivity, the amount of insulin you secreted didn't make a difference at all. Um, and it was just really interesting. Just like, you know, these studies keep coming out and they keep showing the same thing, which is great. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, I just think it's another study that again, but these people, what they'll do is they just won't, they won't believe it they'll still deny that it's a it's a thing they'll still deny and you know it's just personal preference like it really is and I, i'm not saying that low carb or low um or low fat is right or wrong it's whatever you can stick to um and that's it <laughs> simple much, like, yeah. it's, it, it is like it I, I don't know i just feel that sometimes people really overemphasize it and i just said to a client even today I was like, right, you're tracking, but you're not tracking your carbs or fats, just calories. I don't care where they sit. I don't care what you do. I was like, there's really no need to stress too much about it. And I think it's only really when we get specific with bodybuilders that you might need more carbs or um, at I mean, certain times to get full and stuff. That's, but, that's the difference. I think the, uh, the people that seem to sway to one side or the other or be like, hands down, one is better than the other, they – they have to be taking another factor into consideration when if we're only thinking about weight loss really or the loss of weight somehow they they've probably got in their mind oh but no i want to there is going to be a, a performance aspect in there and if we're not really thinking about performance considerations and our ultimate goal is for weight loss then it doesn't really matter if we start talking about performance considerations then i think both of us would probably are on the same side of it would probably be low fat because we'd rather have the high carb stuff exactly for bodybuilding that's a performance issue yeah i think it's, it's but again i think even that sometimes in most population can be overstated so say yeah. for example you said to someone right you know you're going to go um higher fat you know let's say you put someone on 200 grams of carbs and say 100 grams of fat well those carbs are still going to be utilized predominantly for training because you're going to say well look the fat's going to get burnt off the fat they're going to be using as their primary source of energy that direct dietary fat the carbs are then going to be stored. If you had the majority of them around your workout before, um, you know, if you had 100 grams of carbs before your workout, you're going to feel good enough to train. You're going to have the energy to train. It's only when you get into the realms of being ridiculous with it, like 20 grams of carbs. That's ridiculously low. Like you're never going to be able to perform on that. Whereas I've had people even on 100 grams of carbs 
who fairly sedentary, maybe on 70, 80 grams of fat because they prefer it, still feel they have the energy to train because they have maybe 70 grams of those carbs just before they train. And that's when meal timing comes important. But if you're just fundamentally looking at weight loss over the course of weeks and months, it is literally calories. Like I don't, I don't understand how we're starting this conversation like in the 20 you know whatever we're in you know 20 is 20 oh fuck me diet brain 21st century um <laughs> i was just thinking that is it still the 21st century You're like yes it is um yep. it will be for a while um <laughs> also fucking moron um yeah so it's just one of those things where like people still believe it though because again the reason that they believe it and people need to understand them the reason that i don't think that trolling and all that shit is the best way to go is because if that's the way that this person has lost weight, they'll still fundamentally believe it at, a, a fun, at that baseline level. Like I saw a few more comments from um, something. That, oh, the other thing as well, other news. I've deleted Facebook off my phone because I found myself like just constantly reading shit on there. And it was not, <laughs> not contributing to my day at all. And oh my god, does it make a difference to your day? Fucking hell, delete it off your phone and just go on Facebook on your computer like once or twice a day. But anyway, I was on there. I was reading a few of the comments. And the reason I say that now as a random thing is that I would have before been in, enthused and read all the comments, like 300 comments. I would have gone through, read them all on my phone or something. But I just read one or two and was like, can't deal with this shit. Uh, <laughs> so just turned it off. But there's basically one guy on there and he was like, oh, but I found going low carb is better for me. It improves my digestion. It's better for me. So I don't care what the science says. And it's like, well, that's great. But that's great for you. If that's what you found, then that's great. But if you're then preaching that to other people and saying, this is the only way, this is how everyone must do it, it worked for me, then you are an idiot and you don't know what you're doing. I understand that for some people, they have their way and that works. And I have some clients who are on very low carbs, some on very low fat because that's what they prefer and that's what works for them. Would I recommend it for everyone? No, I think a balance of the two is always best. But there are some people who I worry in their position, they're educating these people and they're saying, no, this is the only way to do it. I would, I'd love to see someone like Gary Taubes go, I love low carb. I am the low carb guy. It's the best way I love to eat. I love bacon, avocado, eggs, but you don't have to do that. You can do whatever you want, but it won't happen because it doesn't sell books. It doesn't sell diet plans. It doesn't sell things. Um, and you know, it's just majority of my clients would probably be on the higher carb spectrum, but I bet people would be very surprised that some of the numbers of my clients are on. There's only really one I can think of off the top of my head. I had a discussion with today. We're looking at pushing them over 500 grams of carbs. Um, most of the others are pretty much middle for both of them. And they're getting results either way, muscle gain or fat loss. And it's just about finding that balance and, and understanding what, you, what you're doing. And yeah, we all know it, but... Um, no, I've got, some, I've, I've got one similar that's around there, four, 450 grams of carbs. Just That's the way they eat. They tend yeah. not to have many fatty things, and it's just carb city. And I'm like, cool. It's fine. It's just going to skew that way. It's like your fitness power looks really weird, but it's cool. It's got this nice, nice separate thirds pie shape that I like. But yeah, in terms of calorie mass, perfect, Dan. Good summary. Well, you know, mate. You know, not even trying, mate. Yeah, good. Off the back of diet, though, I have written down something in big bold font to to uh, go through this Easter egg considerations because they are coming. Easter eggs is like. They're all in the shops right now. There's so many. Top before three, we go. go. Before, we, before we get onto that, quickly though, Tom, before we get onto that, um, I've just realised that this is the first podcast we've had since I went um, snowboarding. snowboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People and don't know I, that because we, we cleverly pre-recorded. I know, I know. But I, what, I, what I really want to know is how many boxes of Craver left in your house? Have you eaten them all already? 
<laughs> so, uh, I got through the last one today. Good lad, yes, Because so, Tom let me stay at his and he wasn't there uh, before I went uh, snowboarding. It was extremely tempting to hide all of his shit, but I didn't. Um, and as a present, I left him three boxes of Crave as a thank you because that's better than wine. Or so I just was interested to see how quickly he got through three boxes. And apparently two and a bit weeks is so if and, and I had to try because uh, they would have been quicker. But I was – and for the last like maybe – 10 days I've been mixing them with half and half. Right, um, yeah. Like Weetabix minis and Crave. Um, yeah. And also, FYI, um, I realise you did this for a mixture, but the hazelnut and chocolate is better than the chocolate. I know, but I you see, I didn't know if you tried the chocolate, and I hadn't tried the chocolate, and I thought, well... Yeah. I just thought it's worth a go, but I, <laughs> I, I, did, I did assume it wouldn't be quite as good. Yeah, as it's, not, it's not as good. Yeah, absolutely not. But, but, yeah, but um, I just Easter ended eggs. up just mixing them as well. I thought if you mixed them, it would be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Easter eggs, I have to be honest with you, I haven't had an Easter egg for a long, long time. Yeah. No, I don't really oh, do Easter eggs. Um, but I do like the idea of a fruit and nut Easter egg after you posted it. No, All right, that is a good that Easter egg. That is not a good Easter egg. It is. Fruit, but no, I, I, oh. I haven't had an Easter egg for a long time. Jesus. Right, so I am one of the people that as soon as an Easter egg is shown in the shop, I will buy it nearly on the first that's, day. That's a lie. That's a lie. i tell you what I did have the other day because I saw them there out. Yeah, the and Reese's they tasted egg. incredible. Is the Reese's egg. There we which, go. by the way, oh, oh my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> I've got to tell you. So I ordered something the other day. And only you're going to be able to see this because you're on video, but no one yeah. else is going to be able to see it. But, um, it's really, really good for all our audio listeners, mate. This, yeah, uh, I ordered... <laughs> I ordered two packs of the Reese's peanut butter cups, half pound cups. Fucking hell. They're massive. Half like they're pound. sitting next I, to the down so head. Got, they're about the I same. Had two, I had two packs. Boxy made me open one in the office and share one. Cut it up. <laughs> Look at the size of it. Look at this on the other one. That's my That's head. Like... It's like the size of my forehead, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I swear to God, oh my God, they are so good. And we cut it up and it was like a cake. And it, in one of these cups is over 1,200 calories. Fuck off. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but, but you do hit 30 grams of protein per cup. So, oh, I mean, they've man. sold that one. Protein <laughs> is cups, basically. Um, yeah. Literally incredible. That's great. Yeah, no, they were. It was incredible. Sorry to, to say that, but That's obviously right. I didn't get to show you that because it's in the office. Sat here. Um, and the other thing I got ordered as well was um, four boxes of marsh- marshmallow mateys chocolate cereal. Decent. Because after our trip to the cereal killer cafe, I was like, well, I'm getting back on the cereal train. So they're ordered. Their best before date is well after my photo shoot, so I'm all good. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd let you know. Sorry about that, guys. You can't really see anything on the podcast, but I just thought I'd let you know that I am human. Even though I'm dieting, I still buy shit food, uh, and I still leave it lying around just to just to test my willpower. <laughs> Why not? I'm sat here with a 1,200-calorie peanut butter cup in front of me, and I'm fine. I'm good. Decent, mate. I mean... And Easter eggs, I have, since they've started coming out, obviously I've had cream eggs um, mm. so far. Obviously, I've had the Reese's uh, egg. Those yeah. are the little ones. I've also bought big eggs. Um, what we did buy, which I didn't realize existed until this year, was a large Kinder egg. Okay, that sounds good. That's good. Because um, I like Kinder great. chocolate. Yeah, Kinder chocolate, and it was a large Kinder egg. I didn't think they did 
did them. But the only thing is, for the same, they're the same size as like the normal eggs that you. So Nestle and Cadbury do them for like one pound fifty. The Kinder is five quid. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, "What? You do get a toy? You get an abnormally think, large toy?" Obviously. I just think with Easter eggs, they never, um, they never put the effort in. That's why I never really bother buying them oh, because they're so the big, good. The, the, the big eggs are just big bits of chocolate. It's like, hang on a minute, eggs. I'm paying five quid for just a chop bit of chocolate. But the thing that annoys me is like, if you bought a Maltese's egg, why did they not make the egg thicker but with Malteser bits <laughs> in it? Or like, if you had like a crunchy egg, why not put bits of honeycomb in? Or uh, do you know what I mean? Like they don't really think I mean, about it. So what we, what I'll sneak back into my past about must be 11, 12 years ago with the guy that I am his best man. Um, we decided to buy Woolworths, fucking Woolworths out of cream eggs. And we bought all the cream eggs in Woolworths. We melted. So we cut them all in half, scooped out all the stuff like the cream egg stuff. Put no, it to the side, and then oh, we we were fifteen. We we're prepping for our GCSEs, obviously. Um, oh. <laughs> we had so much time on our hands. You know that the massive like summer you get off right just before and after your GCSEs. Mm. That's what time it was. Um, and then we melted down all the rest of the chocolate and put it in a mold, and then made a humongous cream egg, like a proper like head show size, and then ate half each in one sitting. And Respect. I had sugar sugar shakes. For the first time mm. ever, I'm pretty sure I was going to get diabetes right there and then. But yeah, it was it was such a great day. That would be my favourite Easter egg I've ever had because it was made by us. But it was incredible. I'd urge anybody to do that because it was fucking hilarious. But I just, um, it, but, I yeah. just like the Easter bunnies. I just like you know the lint, lint the Easter lint. bunnies up there. They're classic, like classic. Stuff. You bite into those ears and it's just rock solid. <laughs> ah, that's what I want. Because like the eggshells and like Easter eggs are always really thin and shit and. I think anything anything by Cadbury's fine, um, and then all that kind of stuff. Nestle's meh, Kinderton awful, um, anything like that. So, and Kinder mm. amazing, basically. Kinder, yeah. If anybody wants to send me that stuff, amazing. All right, um, back onto training talk then. That was a little bit off the cup. Um, so I posted. So it was a paper called "The Importance of Muscular Strength Training Considerations," only because I've been seeing recently um, a lot of emphasis on. Uh, kind of ballistic, plyometric, um, maybe it's the people I follow, um, and it's probably the time for the combine and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of emphasis on ballistic and uh, I don't know plyometric training, lots of jumping and power stuff, um, and low load. And it just occurred to me that it's something that myself and Dan have echoed a hell of a lot, and... For general population and maybe weak athletes, overweight athletes, um, seeing them do so, it's being copied by some trainers that are obviously training within a gym setting and making these people do these things. And whether it's actually effective for, and even for like strong athletes like like you, Dan, um, you know. <laughs> so. And then Dr. Andy Galpin reposted this. Uh, people were Timothy Strutrell, Sophia Nymphus, Christopher Bellon, and Michael Stone um, from the University of Carroll. Carroll University, probably. Um, but basically, they did a complete like lit review 
on so the training mechanisms that they had was bodyweight exercise, machine-based exercise, weightlifting derivatives, plyometrics, eccentric training, potentiation complexes, unilateral exercise, bilateral exercise, variable resistance, kettlebell training, and ballistic training. They basically just ranked them and gave them gradings on how effective they were for hypertrophy, strength, and power. And those are the basic things of muscular strength, right, and the physiology Mm. of muscle and how we're going to use them as an athlete. Um, And they went through 252 studies, which is, I'd say that's fairly comprehensive for a literature review. Um, Fuck doing that. That's a lot of work. That's Um, a lot of work. And considering that they're published in the Journal of S&C, um, and sports med, they have a uh, a word cap, as I know that. You know that when you, you wrote your paper, didn't you? What was your word cap? Oh, I can't remember, 2,000 So, yeah, journal S&C, I put mine through the student journal of S&C. Mine was 4,000. So, and fitting it in is tough. Um, but, yeah, they basically, it was it's fucking class, like, set out paper. Easy to read, I think, but maybe not. Um, but if you can find it, it is on PubMed, but obviously you need a subscription, but it, basically the derivatives of it, they're talking about lots of stuff that you might consider, but it's four training considerations for weaker athletes, any kind of athletes. So basically they've just used all of those training terms, searched all the journals and stuff and articles that have happened in the last, I think relevant is seven years, um, all the way up to, I think it was pretty much now, um, so a year ago so something that because stuff is being so this would have been probably posted in about mid like mid 2017 so they were stopped looking at research i reckon in 2017 and it had only been published now because that's how long it sometimes it takes to get published mm. um and they looked at all these resistance training methods essentially and the summary of it um, just to say they did look at weaker athletes and actual athletes and how they basically plucked them through and then loading strategies, less skilled, rest intervals, all these things were taken into consideration when they put these kind of plus marks and minus marks against these uh, these training types. So for hypertrophy strength and power, I think so what we had was a score system of one to five, one being probably low potential for it to be good and it to get you increase of uh, training effect and then five meaning pretty damn good you probably should spend some time doing this and what you can see across the board um, body weight exercise hypertrophy strength power pretty shite machine based exercise pretty shite to be honest only two out of five Um, but then from what I can see, most of the other stuff, so we're talking weightlifting, plyometrics, eccentric, potentiation, all that stuff, would nearly all of it increases power pretty well. Um, and there's no real standouts. Weightlifting, potentiating, and ballistic training were standouts for power. But when do we really look at power as just that's all I'm doing? If we wanted a crossover effect of hypertrophy, strength, and power, and we come from I can show down the table in the screen if he looks at the hypertrophy table and the strength table right there they pretty mm. much mirror each other yeah they're, they're very 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 similar so I would say that hypertrophy and strength is is basically the same 
um, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. You're going to get one with the other. I think we. we what happens if you do seven reps? Because that's not in I mean, one to six in, or uh... eight to twenty. <laughs> I mean, so nobody, that, nobody that's knows. That's when you're in that golden number. That's, that's, that's the golden uh, number. I can I can flick onto the, the the sets and reps one and see whether they've written it down. <laughs> but so most places do that. <laughs> six hypertrophy, eight to twenty. Eight Brilliant. To what? Sorry, uh... <laughs> seven just doesn't exist. Mm. <laughs> so strength and hypertrophy same thing but across the board training there was one two I think two standouts I think three standouts if you're looking for across the board and I would be saying that 80% of your training should consist of these if you're looking for an athlete and then the rest of 20% is make it made off of the others and you would basically try and make up a little bit more specific to that skill or that sport that you're doing. So we've got eccentric training, um, variable resistance training, and bilateral exercise. So, which I think would concur with a lot of the stuff we've ever said on this podcast. It's, it's almost like, you know, our guesses have paid off. <laughs> it's actually mad, isn't it? So, um, what we mean by variable resistance would be, again, what Dan just said, you can vary rep ranges, vary the, res- the resistance of basically moving through weights, and that would lay into being a crossover of like bodybuilding and powerlifting training. Obviously, that's not the boo and end all, but if you you need a, a mixture of weights and reps for you to get the most muscular gains in your training, which is great. It doesn't mean just stick at one one kind of range the whole time and expect everything to happen because mm. it's not going to. We always say a mixture is best, just like dieting, Dan. Man, all full circle. Mixture is best. Um, eccentric training. So the, the thing about eccentric training is you can take it um, in two, two ways. Um, obviously, the characteristic of eccentric training is that down phase, right? It's the lengthening phase. It's the stuff that's going to probably load the tendon a little bit more because you're stretching it out. Um, we're, we're focusing on that. So kind of that is in, again, potentiating that could come into there. But you could, there's probably two ways you can look at eccentric training, Dan, I think. So either with in, kind of greater than uh, 1RM loading. Mm-hmm. So you're literally just putting something down. That's it. Yeah. Um, because... You're, like if you're going to do a really, 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 really heavy eccentric squat and then squat to the pins and then just try and put it back up if you've got, if you've got the ability to do that. But that's yeah, eccentric training. It is, it is massive. Or the uh, kind of training that Dan often does is – what do you often do as bodybuilders? Well, I don't know if it's – I'll be honest. I don't know if it's focused on as much as, as other people do with it, but mm-hmm. – you would certainly control and slow down the eccentric portion and, and think about controlling and lowering the weight effectively. Yeah. But I think it's, it, you know, it's like, like anything, it's on a spectrum, isn't it? It's yeah. that, um, that mid range of like, we don't sit there and count our seconds of our negatives. Cause it's like, well, if you're doing that, then you're probably not lifting heavy enough anyway. Like you can concentrate <laughs> on that, but it's just definitely about controlling it, um, in the, in the right motion. Definitely. But, some people take it far too far, don't they? And they go like yeah. 10 second eccentrics. You're like, okay, one or two of them in session is probably going to be all right. But every rep, you're just being a bit stupid, I think. But um, no, it's definitely something that you have to consider. But much like when we, as you train personal training clients, who weren't even that bothered about it, you're still, the, the key word you use is control. Like, that's the word I would use, not 
slow down the eccentric, you know, like some people do. It's just control. You have to have control at that portion um, to get the required stimulus from training. But um, yeah. I don't know many people that still do the like the the super maximal eccentric super training. Super maximal like, stuff. No, I mean pre-competition before um myself and andrew casey uh did it mm. basically because we had a number in our head that we wanted to hit for every single lift i mean but the, there is one uh, i think you can like if you're bench pressing with a slingshot it's a very similar thing yeah um because that is essentially eccentric training so slingshot stuff um if you could do it with like bungee cores i'm sure um, of some sort we're in a squat rack i'm sure that's done in powerlifting um and then pff, i'm not sure how you do it with deadlifting we did it just for one single rep where we moved the boxes out of the way but yeah just yeah. the eccentric down with like 240 just to see whether we could um and that's tough just, just rip your arms off wouldn't you? yeah pretty much <laughs> like your block pull and then kind of shuffle backwards slightly and then try and control it on the way down um yeah yeah just end up like pff, flying all the way down but yeah i feel it was it was a really cool piece if you want to dm me then we can talk about it i don't really mind um but it just focus on those exercises focus on those training methods more than anything other and you're more likely to get strength hypertrophy and power adaptations mm. um which is going to be fantastic obviously if you're talking about potentiating that's when ballistic and plyometric training will get you more power i'd probably spend some time doing that if you are a power athlete um i.e like running that kind of stuff not like power lifters it's not the same thing um cool all right cupping dan oh stupid thing <laughs> now Oh, I thought this would have died a long time ago. Like they were doing this in football when I was still there, and it was like, oh, you're just left with a really big bruise. But do you feel better? Well, maybe. I don't know. Really, you don't. It just I promise you don't. I know. And there's, it just it's it the really it, it divides people quite a lot. I've found that there's a lot of trusted people that use it, um, and then that I think are like super smart, like Mike Reynold. He uses it, but then he has openly posted discrediting it as well. Um, but as well, does he not also know what he's doing with it? Yeah. Like, no, as daft as that sounds like, <laughs> like, does he not know why he's doing it, but also the level that you need to go to and the potential placebo effect with his athletes potentially and all this sort of stuff? Like, some of the stuff I've seen people do, I'm just like, you are an idiot. Like, there's no need to do it that intense, like on your skin. Like, you literally have just ripped your skin off. Yeah. Like, some of the horror things I've seen, I just make me feel ill on it. But I just don't get it how people go towards these like gimmicks and these things that are just like I don't know I just excessive I mean so he he posted about uh cupping not having an effect in a study on hamstring flexibility so I guess this would lay into he believes possibly cupping does not affect flexibility um and he basically just asked the question is other people have a similar kind of view um he was just like, take home message is that it doesn't improve flexibility. Um, he uses cupping <coughs> quite a lot. <coughs> Sorry, I'm coughing on that. Um, but Mike Reynold is a super fucking smart guy. I'd go look him up if you need to. Uh, talks about injury kind of prevention a hell of a lot. Um, but he uses it for more like preventive methods and manual therapy techniques and helping them feel better. 
uh, more than anything else, which I guess mm. would be a, a placebo effect um, if they're just feeling better. There's no like if he couldn't find any physiological benefit, then maybe he's used it because they're like, oh yeah, it's doing something. I got a red mark because that's doing something. But mm. then there's a load of people who comment on it. Obviously, um, people saying I use it all the time and I definitely see it improves mobility. And he's like, all right, but obviously. Agreed but you probably the thing is as well, you're yeah. probably doing that alongside mobility training, mm. like and warm ups. Like if you did cupping alongside doing like, you know, an overhead squat twelve week programme, well, is it the twelve week squat programme or is it the cupping? I know I know which one it would be. Like and, yeah. and that's the thing that frustrates me about all this stuff is like it's the same with the diet and things. Like, oh, it worked for me. Yeah, but just because it worked for you doesn't mean that the mechanism that that made that work means that it's not just a placebo. Just because it worked for you, that doesn't mean anything. That means, if anything, you're more you're more you've put more belief in the placebo effect because you said it worked for you that one time, and like that one time you had it, the next day you went out and had the best race or the best training session you ever had. Of course, you're going to think that every time you do that, it, it works because oh, it, it baffles me. Human brain baffles me. <laughs> um, but but I yeah. Guess- I guess we get the aspect of if you can uh, create some sort of I don't know, emotional connection with something or something, you're more far more likely to do it and succeed. So yeah. I'm all I'm all for it if it's gonna help. I'm all for it. So I just think there are probably there are probably less dangerous things that you can do as a placebo because <laughs> um, I've seen some things that look really weird with it. I'm like, oh, it looks really it? odd because there was another post I put off in the uh, private group. Uh, it was just like about bruising and it was just yeah. uh, it was just like you can't really tell the difference, right? So yeah, it's mm. very interesting. Um, yeah, mate. So I think I'm not sure if that's stupid things on the internet, but go get, give us your view on cupping if anybody's got a view. Well, the, the, um, the, we saw it on the internet, um, <laughs> and that's what sparked the conversation. But yeah, um, amazing, mate. So I think as Dan has actually got to run off to uh, mm. to to pick Stephen Box up from the airport because he doesn't know how to park a car at the well, airport. Apparently, mate. Yeah, he helped me move, didn't he? So I couldn't uh, say no. So it was one of those where, like, you know, I really the, the last thing that I want to do right now is probably drive across Bath into Bristol at rush hour. But the things you do for your mates, you know, what I mean, <laughs> like, you know, you buy them crave cereal when they stop at their house. You pick them up from airports and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I'm a, I'm a nice guy at heart, despite what you see on Instagram. Bless, bless. All right, mate. Um, obviously, we will be back next week we'll fi- find a time definitely if Dan gets his internet we will record it oh, I've um, got to try and find some I got well we're, I'm going to have to be recording in the office again yeah before next Tuesday wonderful we'll find it we'll find a time we'll but find yeah. a time sorry no for the delay guys it's all on me I apologize <laughs> please send all your abuse to Dan if you yep. want to direct it to me I will forward it on absolutely fine <laughs> alright guys thanks for listening see you later